What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode four of the United Asia podcast. My name is Riz. Our interview this time around is quite a lengthy one. It's a fun one. It's not as emotional of a roller coaster as the past few. So because it's such a long interview, we're just going to hop right into the news. So here we go. We're going to start our news with news from hardcore bands in Thailand. So we got two heavy hitters that are about to release some cool things. We've got Whispers, an amazing metallic hardcore band from Thailand. We're about to drop their debut EP on UK label, The Coming Strife. The EP apparently is already recorded. The artwork's all done. It'll be out in November. So look out for that. Um, the next band we've got up is our friends Born From Pain, long-running, legendary Thai hardcore band. Born From Pain's about to drop a brand new music video. They just finished shooting it, and it comes out September 18th. In Japan, Japan's got a lot going on all the time. There's always tons and tons of news from Japan. But a band that really caught our attention is a speed metal band called Hell Freezes Over, who just dropped their debut al album called Hellraiser. Dude, this band is insane. It's so intense. When they dropped their first music video from this album, I was just wowed. I couldn't believe what I was watching, what I was listening to. It was just beyond quality. Please check out this band. The EP is, uh, sorry, the album is already up on, on streaming platforms everywhere. It's called Hell Freezes Over. Indonesia, Indonesian hardcore band Eyes of War features our friends in Under 18. They're apparently working on a new EP. Look out for that. In Korea, we've got two awesome punk bands who've been up to some crazy things. One punk band, Gumiho. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It's in Korean. I don't know. Someone tell me if I'm wrong. You can write it in the comment section below. They're apparently in the studio recording their new EP. There's photos of them on their Instagram and stuff. So look out for that. Another punk band called Ultra Lazy just dropped their debut EP out of nowhere. And with zero promotion, no marketing, no managers, nothing. They just dropped their EP and they're like, hey, we're Ultra Lazy. Check us out if you want. And it's awesome. Go listen to the EP. It's such a great release. We had to put it up on our site. We had to put it on our Instagram. It's so good. And the coolest thing about it is that it just dropped out of nowhere. This like little magical gift to the world. Go check them out. Call Ultra Lazy. Lastly, in Singapore, we've got our great, great friends in Stoner Rock Band Marijana. So they've already just released two phenomenal records that have just taken the world by storm. But they've also just done something pretty spectacular. They literally just rented out a movie theater, put the band inside the movie theater, and played the entire album start to finish and recorded it all. So they're saying that the first clip of that session comes out in September, and then the full live video will come out in November. So look out for that. And on that note, off to the interview. Today we have a really cool friend of mine, a personal friend that I've known for about 20 plus years from right here in Hong Kong, my friend Yen, who plays in punk bands like Hard Candy and most recently in an amazing band called The After After Party. So much fun watching videos, checking out their music, their live show, they're just having a lot of fun. The reason why I picked her is because she's from right here, right from Hong Kong, and it's really cool for people outside of Hong Kong in the rest of Asia, and maybe for people who live here, to kind of get a little bit of a background of the 90s scene into what we have today. And you kind of get a little bit of a background of what punk rock was like, has been like for Hong Kong through her perspective. As someone that was young when, we, when it started, as someone who decided to pick up the guitar, as someone who decided to put on a band, put on shows, her journey through this to be able to find some place that she calls home. And in the interview, she actually calls a place where she finds her tribe. 
her group of people who have like-minded spirits and attitude and passion for this type of music and this lifestyle. Enjoy the interview. Welcome, everybody, to our fourth episode of the United Asia podcast. Today, we're taking it local. We're bringing the podcast back home to Hong Kong. Today, it is my honor to have my amazing friend, Yan, that I've known for almost 20 years, who plays in punk rock bands like Heart Candy in Hong Kong. And then most recently, she's playing in a punk band called After After Party. How are you doing, Yan? Oh, good. Yes. Thanks for having me. Such an honor. Oh, you're so sweet. So Yen, I know that you've seen a couple episodes of the podcast and what we're really going to do is just try to get into the history of our guests so that people outside of the region that that, that person lives in has a little bit of an understanding of their background. Like how did they get into music and then how did they find their way into punk rock and hardcore? So in your case, it's a very interesting story because you grew up in Hong Kong. You went to a lot of the local schools. And for a lot of people who are listening, they don't even understand what I mean by local schools and international schools. Those are two very different things in Hong Kong. So local schools are where a lot of the local population, a lot of the Chinese-speaking population will go. International schools are where a lot of the expats kids will go. So there's two very different worlds in Hong Kong. So for you, Yang, can you kind of just paint us a picture of what school life was, was like for you? So, yeah, besides um, I was in a local school, I was also living in Tim Moon, so a very, very local uh, uh, residential area in Hong Kong. Um, I think growing up, um, I was very lucky that because I have a sister 10 years older than me, uh, she doesn't really listen to rock music, but uh, she buys the, the loud compilation CDs and she likes to watch movies. So she, and she likes to buy a soundtrack CD. So it was really good because uh, sometimes in the soundtrack, you find some uh, really good alternative music. So I think the first time I really, um, it's really inspired me to listen to in alternative music, I, I also would say is, uh, is because of my sister. So even though my sister is like a big fan of George Michael and uh, Madonna, all this thing, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not that bad compared to the Canton pop music. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. No, at least they are, they are true artists. It's just not really rock and roll. But, um, but I think yeah, I got into um, more heavy stuff because of uh, the loud compilation CDs. Normally they have uh, some pop songs and then some also uh, bands from the UK or from the US. So I think first, um, first time I got into... Um, Loud music, uh, I think it's maybe I was nine years old, 10 years old. Yeah. What year? Uh, whew, 1994. Oh, 94. So 94, because of that loud compilation you're talking about, you first got into heavy music? Yes, yeah. But, well, I don't really know about, like, the style. I just think it's a little bit crazy. And <laughs> I always, uh, like, growing up, I always watch a lot of uh, American movies. So for me to see um, people living like this, so, so, you know, like so free, you know, in the 90s, you know, American movies are the best, you know, the teenagers <laughs> are just so free, so uh, they can speak up and all this thing are just totally opposite of uh, what uh, local kids in Hong Kong should do, you know, in, 
in the local Hong Kong school system, you're supposed to be quiet. You cannot do um, anything that, like you cannot challenge teacher or even like your classmates. You're, you're just there to sit down and receive information. So uh, for me, it was, a, it was a, like a turning point of my life when I watched all these movies and then all the soundtrack and then the, and then the combination CDs. And then I think from there I got into rock music. But um, at that time, I think it's more rock music from, um, you know, more, more like band from, uh, from the UK, like Blur. Oh. Um, well, they were quite loud, actually, yeah. for, for Hong Kong standards, Absolutely. you know. Can you tell me when you when you're talking about the the American movies, what what American movies was it? I, I'm assuming you're talking about like coming of age movies, like where the teenagers are kind of rebelling against their parents or going against school, like those types of movies. Yeah, yeah. Also, the girls are so beautiful, like clueless and <laughs> clueless. <laughs> oh my gosh! I thought you were talking about like Breakfast Club. <laughs> But you know the 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 women I saw there, they are so much more mature. Uh, also, this is the these are the difference between uh, uh, Western women and uh, Western girls and local like Asian girls. You know, mm. we we don't really grow up until we are twenty three, twenty four. <laughs> you know, seriously, right? Like you work in an international school, you know what am I talking about? When you see a sixteen years old. They are like really mature, you know. Yeah. So I think I got yeah, I I I was really moved by that. Yeah. In overall, it's overall it's just uh, the freedom they have, you know. Just they are very they 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 embrace and individualism, you know. Yeah. yeah. Just very different. I, yeah, absolutely. And like I mean, you said it so nicely because in, in local Hong Kong education, you're right. Everyone must follow the rules. You can't speak up. You just kind of like have to nod your head. Even if you don't understand something, you can't ask. You don't have the the environment in the school that you can ask a question or challenge the teacher. So for you, when you were seeing those movies where the, the younger child was was speaking up for themselves, and like you said, that whole individualism, like they were actually nurturing it fostering it and recommending and suggesting you to be individual. It's such a, like an, an explosion to you, right? No, even like Home Alone. I mean, it's, it's Home Alone is a, it's, it's a little kid, but you know, like uh, they, they, they actually embrace uh, like uh, your own character, you know? Yeah. That's such a great way to put that. The, the independent spirit, right? Whereas Hong Kong is very much, of course, it's an Asian city, right? So it's very much collective. Everything happens in a collective, whereas in America, it's very individualistic. Wow. You're blowing my mind, Yen. I, I wasn't thinking that we were going to have this conversation. This is great. But what were the bands on that loud compilation? Was it already Blur or was it some other types of bands? I think it was Blur, actually. Oh, okay. yeah. It was Blur uh, at that time. And then, um, I think, um, and then I think I got into Smashing Pumpkins because of, uh, because of Batman. Batman? <laughs> no, they did, a, they did a soundtrack. So, so I just want to know, like, I just want to say, like, I actually got into a lot of Western music because of movies, because my family likes movies a lot. My sister likes movies a lot. Now, can you tell me if you're already, because you have a sister that's 10 years older than you, she's already teaching you and feeding you all this great stuff. But when you're going to school with people your age, do they understand you? Did they understand what you were talking about? Did they understand what kind of bands and music you're listening to? Or did, was it an awkward situation for you in school? You know, it's really the different perception. My sister didn't really educate me. My sister just played the movie, but I pick up the music. 
So my sister actually not really a big fan of all the music I listen to, but mm -hmm. a little bit more open-minded than uh, usual, uh, like a general population here. But yeah, right. not, not as heavy as I do. But yes, of course, I, I still remember when I went to school, uh, I, have a, I had a Willie Manson pin on my backpack and I got a detention just because of this, because they, the teacher think, oh, I'm wearing something log, uh, log suitable for carrying to the school. You, you know how he looks like, right? In the Marilyn Manson pin? Because of a pin, you got detention? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and as I say, like, I thought so much about the American culture. So I also uh, put a lot of badge on my backpack. And then I remember my classmates say, oh, are you, uh, is it because you, your bed doesn't have a brand? So you put all this fresh, you know, I like just, <laughs> <laughs> how isolated I am. This is how lonely I am. Like the, I'm surrounded with people who, who think like this, you know, like. Right, right. Like you're saying, like they have a different mentality that they actually asked you, is it because it's, it doesn't have a cool brand? So you're covering it up with badges. Oh my God. Yeah, with all my. Badges, the funner and all this, all this, yeah. yeah. But it's so crazy. Like, it's such a different school, like the local school and the international school. Like, my daughter goes to the international school. She's got badges, pins. She draws all over her backpack. It's such a different world. It's all about freedom and expression. Yeah, I think also Laos maybe is much better with internet. I see. People understand a little bit more about other other. Other culture. I mean, in the nineties, it was really difficult. Like the only way I can find music is from uh, MCB, the magazine. Yes, yes, yeah. what a good and magazine. I, I also go to Mong Kok, the Sino Center. You know, the dance there, yeah. and then and then people, you know, you know the people in there they like to recommend you. You know, they feel like yes. the guru. You know, <laughs> yeah. If you right. like this band, they will tell you, oh, you should check out the other bands. You know? Right, right. So it's cool that you at least had that opportunity to learn about more bands from places like in Mong Kok, in Sino Center, or MCB. But let's go back to the school thing, because I really find it fascinating what your friends would say to you. And you also said, you know, you felt very lonely in school. And that's actually a, a difficult feeling that many people who get into punk rock and hardcore feel. No matter where in the world, there's this thing in their heart where they're like, why am I so different from everybody else? Why can't I like Andy Lau like you like Andy Lau? Like, why do I like this type of music that people don't seem to like so how did you deal with that when you were growing up um yeah i think but i i yeah i felt lonely but i also didn't stop uh, sharing this with uh, my good friends so some of my good friends actually uh, listened to a little bit more music because uh, because i forced them to at the beginning but they actually like it at the end um of course i felt very lonely because uh, just um don't really understand and uh, like when you're a teenager um, you just want to share your passion right it's it's like the fan cup you know but I I, I can't find anybody um, until um, I think until I turned almost 17 17 yes yeah until I turned 17 I start to use um, I think it was my space already yeah, 18 or 17, my space already. Then suddenly I'm open up to all these uh, amazing girls in Taiwan, in Philippines, uh, or in anywhere that they like the same type of music. So, so, so back to like uh, when I, um, so I actually didn't really like punk music when I listened to the male funded punk band, to be honest. Interesting. The only thing that really appealed to me is uh, the strong women band. 
So you're saying that even when you were listening to punk bands, you didn't gravitate towards the male ones like Green Day or Offspring or whatever. You chose a strong female role model. Yeah. Wow. I, I, you know, when I was uh, 14, actually, um, because like uh, my sister was studying in Canada. So she, she, she actually told me a band that uh, her friend like is called Bad Religion. I didn't like Bad Religion at that time. Oh, you didn't like Bad Religion? <laughs> I like loud music, but it didn't appeal to me. So I, I didn't really like, oh, wow, punk rock, you know? So like, I, I, I really got into it at that time. No, not really. But I think I got really into it around the same year when I discovered um, all the white girl band, you know, Bikini Kill, Sleet yeah. Bikini, Team Trash, and, um, and uh, whole, yeah, all the, just all the female, even like Alanis Morissette. Yeah. yeah all the strong women need uh, musicians. Then, that that's amazing. So, how did you go from Blur to getting into and learning more about Bikini Kill, Sleater Kenny? Like, how did you get into the like? Who introduced the Riot Girl bands to you? Well, I was I did my homework a lot, so um, oh. <laughs> so I think I, I think it's I don't really remember how exactly, but I remember it's like a maybe I was in HMV uh, like on the weekend, you know, like uh, you you spend your time in HMV looking for bands to listen. Um, and then I think I pick up Lefano and I found out, oh, Lefano was dating uh, Courtney Love, Ho, and then, and then I start to find yeah. all this, uh, Sonic Youth and Bikini Kill, and uh, yeah, all this cool, cool female uh, musician, I think I just found it from there. You know, you know when you like one, one artist and then you just find the similar artist, right? Yeah, I mean, the reason why I'm asking about the, the Bikini Kill, Sleater Kenny stuff is because you're saying from 14 to almost 17, you didn't have like a, a circle of friends who, who would show you, hey, I just found a new band or another person would be like, hey, I found a new band. You didn't have that. So it's just, it's just interesting to see your transition from like Blur, you know, like more of the mainstream uh, um, overseas bands. And then you found these really underground, meaningful, like angst-filled uh, punk bands like Bikini Kill. So it's just, so you're saying that you went into HMV, you, did you, you probably bought the Nirvana. And did you mean you look at like the thank you section like we all used to do? Uh, not, not really like that. that <laughs> not really like that. But I think it's just uh, maybe on MCB or, or some kind of magazines. Yeah. yeah. And then I saw like, uh, like, his, like he's, dating, he's dating a woman who look a little bit like, uh, you know, I was always uh, very into like a, a very independent woman image, you know, like, like what I say, like a just really confident, independent woman. Um, when I was young, so when I saw women like this, so I'm curious how, how they sound like, you know. So, um, and then Sonic Youth, of course, with uh, Kim Gordon. But that's so cool. It's so cool to hear your way of getting into this music because my way of getting it into it is very different from your experience. But we live in the same city. It's so interesting. We live in the same city. We had our own ways of finding this type of music. Now, when you finally got into bands like Bikini Kill, and I, I hear you, I hear what you're saying that you're already very interested in very confident women. Yes, not just you, music, you, yeah. Yeah, not just music, you're saying. But can you tell me, like, what is it about that that really appealed to you? Like, why did you look for those confident, strong women characters? I think also, like, uh, growing up in a, in, a, in a Chinese family, uh, I think female are always, um, uh, well, not anymore now, but I'm talking about 20 years ago, uh, a lot of stereotype, you know? They want your hair to be like this. Um, a, a pretty girl has to be like this, you know? Um, so I never really fit in those box. 
<laughs> so I kind of found like, a, oh, maybe I, maybe I'm good for something else. <laughs> so, so yeah. Also, like my father was quite traditional, so so he okay. would, uh, he would prefer to have a boy, I think. But um, yeah, but he he had three daughters at the end. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. But you know, like just Chinese parents, you know, so they, they always yes. uh, favor a little bit more to have sons rather than daughters. And I feel it's not right. I think, yeah, it's just uh, in general, I don't really fit into the popular girls uh, category when I was younger. So I was looking for a way to find my, my tribe. Yeah, yeah. What a great way to say. It. You're right. Tribe. That is the word, right? That's the word that we're all looking for when we're teenagers. When our lot, when our minds don't make sense. But especially for in your case and my case, I also grew up in a very traditional Pakistani family in Hong Kong. But I also didn't think like them. Like my dad wanted me to be a banker or a doctor, and I'm like. I don't give a shit about money. I don't care about money. Like, and all I wanted to do was be able to express myself. So like you're saying, I think your environment that you grew up in nurtured that feeling. You're like, no, I'm going to be myself. I'm going to find a way to be myself. And that's why you latched onto these strong strong women role models. You're like, yeah, like this person, this person doesn't care about how society looks at her. This person definitely doesn't care how her family looks at her. She's just happy with who she is. That's what it sounds like for you. Yes, right? exactly. Also, I was, um, I was more into sport when I was, uh, when I was mm. younger. So I don't really care about like uh, like the girly stuff, you know. I or like I was a uh, I, I was really a big fan of uh, basketball and football, you know. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. always always a little bit boyish anyway. So yeah. That's so funny. Now, I, in my case, at least, I mean, I know I'm a little bit older than you. <laughs> in my case, um, I didn't see what my favorite bands look like until much later. So in your case, when you first heard of Bikini Kill, L, um, L7, or maybe or Sleater Kenny, did you already, have you already seen a picture of them? Was it already on the CD? Like, how did you know what they looked like? Yes, yeah. I, I think, yeah, I have to say, I, I actually got into, um, I actually got into them because I liked how they look like. Peel Just to you. messy hair. <laughs> messy hair, a weird way of uh, dressing, you know, like a mesh uh, stuff. But just the confidence uh, really get me you know the confidence of all these women just really get me that's so cool okay so if you're talking about that era of yen right that era what would you say are the bands that really inspired and influenced you if you're, if you're thinking back to when you first got into all of this i think it would be uh to be honest whole <laughs> yeah nice tell me tell me why why whole thing is the way she sang just uh like a um you know i always like music but i never really uh like never really got training so uh for me also well i think it's also because of this so i never really be able to learn piano you know like a lot of kids can do here um so i'm i'm never trained so i was thinking oh what can i do with uh simple stuff uh, I don't really have an amazing voice like uh, for uh, like all the R and B, you know. It was so popular at that time. Right? I also like them, but <laughs> but I would never be able to sing like this. So when I listen to Ho, just it's pretty simple music, but so powerful with a with a with a screaming vocals and a very crunchy guitar. So I think that's actually the album that made me think that maybe it's okay for me to play music, you know. 
Wow, that's so cool to hear that that was the album that got you. You're like, oh, maybe I can do it too. So it's again that feeling where, like, when I grew up, I, you know, I was listening to like Iron Maiden and all these bands, like you're saying, where the bands are so technical. And I'm saying, I'm like, I'm never going to be able to play this. But I mean, I still started playing guitar. But you're right. There's something about punk rock that makes everyone feel like, oh, if this band can do that, I can do that. I can scream like that. So it's so powerful that you are so lucky that at your age, you already had a bunch of bands that you that represented women. And then you could see yourself in that position. That's so cool. Because imagine like if you were maybe 10 years older, and if you're getting to the music in the 80s, oh, yeah, I would be. There was no hole or bikini kill, right? Do any of that shit, you know? <laughs> well, probably yeah. I will really train up and, and learn guitar, you know, maybe, you know. But it's so, like, I mean, I think what, you're, what you just proved is how important representation is, right? Representation is so important. It's because you saw a woman playing guitar and, you know, just a free, confident woman, and you're like, oh, I can do that. I mean, that's why it's so important that we're still doing that and being very careful about what we're representing. That's why, like, I, I don't know if people have noticed, but in the podcast, uh, I'm trying to go male, female, male, female, and eventually, you know, try to find, you know, people who are, who are trans or bi or whatever, so that I'm being very intentional, letting the world know that even in Asia, we have people from all walks of life, man. Music is music, man. It doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is. If you like boys, you like girls, whatever you are, music is music. And that's why it's so important that we continue to represent. I think the right? cool thing also, uh, being like, even if I'm not playing music, even if you just like music, it's connect people from different areas, you know? Like, I would love to be able to meet you, you know, for example. Like, we, we, we went to different school. We are in totally different uh, circle of friends. So it's just because of music. And we like the same passion, you know? Yeah. Totally. It's like you said, it's like, it's a tribe. You, we finally found our tribe. And like, I've, I've met you 20 years ago. So, and we're still friends. Like we're still part of that tribe, even though our paths don't cross often, even though we live in a small city, but we don't, you know, we don't see each other often, but everything you're saying right now is so like, it's so heartwarming to me. I'm like, yeah, me too. I had the same problem. No one talked to me. You know, so like, I, it's so interesting. I don't really remember how old I am, but I must be like 14 when I first saw you. <laughs> Saw me. <laughs> seriously, and you, you would be like seriously. You would be the, uh, you would be the band that make me think. Oh, there are music in Hong Kong. <laughs> serious. Wow. No, I would not be able. You... I would not be able to go to because if you remember in um, late nineties, still there are a lot many live house. You know, it's if you play, uh, if you want to see a live band, you have to go to a bar. But I was, uh, I was still a teenager, so I would not be able to go into a bar to see a live band, even just a show cover band. But uh, so you came to Tim Moon. I don't know why. <laughs> you came to Tim Moon. So Google this shit. Tim Moon is like a suburban in in Hong Kong, very far away from the city. So you were playing in a hotel actually. <laughs> Oh my god, that's so funny. Not the only one. I was there with uh, two of my other friends that we're still in touch. I think it was a it was a, a very special moment for us. We were wow. we were 14, 15 years old. We never saw something like this. You came into the village of Hong Kong and you, That's so and funny. you make me think, oh and you you are you're actually the first band I saw in Hong Kong. Wow. So you're saying King Lai Chi was the very first band you the saw first in Hong band Kong? Of, like, the first yeah. First band ever is you guys, really. 
Wow, that's amazing, man. You're almost going to give me a little tear in my eye. That's nice to hear. Thank you for sharing that story. I want to say, like, uh, for all the bands, even too loud, don't, don't, like, always play somewhere in the village, you know. I think it's actually better, you know. You, you, you know, when you're playing in the city, people are so spoiled. Like, with, with all my touring, mm. always the best show is to go to somewhere a little bit smaller. Okay, let's go back to Hole and uh, that inspiration. So Hole, by, by Hole, did you already have a guitar at home or did you listen to Hole and you go, Dad, I want to go buy a guitar? Like, how did that happen at your house? I, I think, um, so, yeah, it's really punk rock already. I actually saved up my money by skipping lunch to, to buy a guitar. <laughs> Uh, oh my god that's so funny you mean in high school you were skipping lunch <laughs> i was four, oh my god two, i think yeah so four yeah 14 years old and how many days did you skip lunch i don't know well i didn't really skip lunch it's like uh, i just don't buy lunch and i eat the leftover from my friends <laughs> yeah so i got my guitar and i okay. found out a hole but you know at the beginning when i played the guitar i wasn't thinking that i would start a band i was i just wanted to imitate mm. my idol you know i just want to say mm. you know like i actually terrible at skateboarding but i i had a skateboard too <laughs> but i wow. just i just want to imitate what, people what? that i like you know yeah. but um i didn't right. think of uh, really writing my own music or starting a band until i wish a hole i think wow now what was the guitar that you bought ibanez i think ibanez it was you bought an ibanez how much money did you save up? Was, uh, I, th I think it was around two two thousand. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's two thousand Hong Kong dollars. Yes, yeah, about three hundred US. So you must not have eaten lunch for like maybe no, two but years. It's also, like a Chinese <laughs> pocket, you know, New Year pocket money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the red packet, right? That's so funny. So then, core. I'm sorry, not core. <laughs> whole, whole. Um, opened that world up to you, and whole was the first time that you decided to start writing your own music. Wow. And did you already have a band then or are you still at, oh, home, at by home by yourself? Yeah, I didn't have a band until, wow. um, I think until 16. Then I tried something yeah, with some friends. But it was just a yeah, summer yeah. project because uh, I, I actually started I to see. go to uh, Canada for two years, uh, three years. I wanted Yeah, so okay. from 15 to 18, I was so in Canada. Okay, now that makes a lot more sense. So Because once you go to Canada, especially when you go... It happened to me when I left Hong Kong, went to USA for college, then everything opened up for me. Then I was like, oh, this is hardcore. This is punk rock. It's more than the music. There is so much more that happens in punk rock, so much more that happens in hardcore. So let's transition. So you're in Canada as a 15-year-old. What happened? What was your time in um, Canada like? Well I, was, well, I was in a very small town. I was in Edmonton. So not much happening. Um, Unfortunately, it was also like, I think the last year I, I was there, it was the year of Lickleback. <laughs> they have fun there, so it was a big deal. So every day is Lickleback. But um, of course I opened up a lot because, um, uh, because in over there, I also, go to, I also do the same thing. You know? I go to the bookstore, I check out the magazines. So there will be more walk and roll magazines that I can look at in the bookstore. Uh, also in HMV, they will have more uh, station that you can uh, try out the music. Uh, radio station also opened up, but honestly speaking, um, I didn't 
found too much uh, punk rock or hardcore music there too. You didn't go watch shows? Oh, no, really? Yeah, I was, well, I was 15 years old, so I cannot really mm. go out that much uh, to, to go to see a show right. in the bar. It's, you know, very strict, right, in America and Canada, Canada right. you know. But um, I right. think during that time, then I actually opened up to more different music songs, not just punk rock, yeah, more other stuff too. Oh, I see. Yeah, so you, you, so you expanded your horizon of music then actually, while you were in Canada. Actually, more stuff when i was in canada also well, i think it's, <laughs> like it's, what? it's the weather and uh, and and a lot of other things you know like, i also like uh, i also like a lot of other music like uh, elliot smith and uh yeah or even yes. like some post-war band at the time like secret wars it was popular at yep. that time so i think i opened up more to different kind of music um but I think in Canada, I have more time to play music. So, so I was still writing uh, songs. So my style is still uh, very punk rock because I, I, I actually never really learned guitar. So I was also a very lazy guitar player that I'm not nerdy enough to practice my solo. <laughs> and then when you came back, because I know you from Hard Candy. So when was it that you came back to Hong Kong and you found, again, you found your tribe again yeah. beyond your school because the people you were playing with were not people you went to school with. So how did Hard Candy come around? I think it's uh, 18, 19 years old. I'm, I'm in Hong Kong. I went to university in here. So it's just, uh, it's, it's actually, um, so bass player is from my university. So we were classmates and then uh, the drummer, I think we just, Oh yeah, there is a forum called Ben. Ben yes. uh, something. You remember? You. It's yeah. a green color. Oh, what was it called? Ben something forum. Oh, I forgot. Like Ben Sound Forum. Yeah, like it, I, can't, I know what you're talking like about. The background is green color. A lot of people found bandmates there. So I, yeah. So I found a, yeah. I found a very good, amazing female drummer, Renee, and then yeah, and then just uh, you, you know, when you pay. This kind of music drummer is very important, you know? <laughs> very important. Thank you for, for making sure everyone understands that. People are always like, especially metalheads, are always like, oh, punk is so easy. Punk is so easy. You're like, dude, you need to listen carefully. The drummer is the backbone yeah. of the band. Watch the drummer. Yeah, definitely. And then it's, and then it's uh, well, yeah, the, the guitar and bass might sound a little bit more uh, simple, but then you actually take more, take more energy to, be, um, to build up your charisma then, you know, your singing style and your, how you engage with the audience. So this is, I'm, sure, I'm assuming you mean yeah. Eric was the Eric bass player or was it somebody player. else? Yeah. Eric, okay. That was, now you just said like those three people that you just named, like in my head, that was like the classic Yan lineup of any band that you played in. I was just like, I was, I will never forget those three people. Every time you guys played at the warehouse, you know, and it's just like, when you guys got on stage, you would always get on stage and just have so much fun. Like Eric was like a, he was like a madman on stage, right? Like, I mean, he's like a Mr. Post rock, indie rock guy now, but back then he was like, bass was in the air. He was like, didn't he like take his shirt off and stuff? Like he yeah, would just be crazy, you, right? You know, actually, he didn't really like punk rock. <laughs> I kind of just. No, <laughs> <laughs> so he's always into indie rock. Like he's a very good musician. He's he's always he was always into indie rock. I think it's just uh, I think it's just uh, because I I I was in need for for a bass player. So. 
So if you're talking about Hard Candy with those three people, uh, would you say that that's your first real band? Yes, that was my first real band. So then after you started creating music with these three people, great lineup, when did in your brain decide, hey, let's start playing shows? Uh, I was very determined already. I think, I think uh, yes, when I started a <laughs> band, I think I already wanted to play shows. Yeah. So. Um, that's so cool. So how soon? So how soon after you started the band did you play your first show? Half a year, and wow. I think the first one is in uh, is in uh, is in one of the Ivy School in Kuntong, and that's how I oh, met yeah. uh, with Two One Eight. If you remember, the other punk band. Yes, Two One Eight. Yeah, yeah. So how cool that your first punk band that you started, first serious one, there was already another punk band in the city. That's a yeah, cool feeling, Yeah, and it was right? also their first time. So it was so cool. So we were, we wow. were always uh, hanging out together. And then, and then we started to load all these bands that you know, you know, like Attention to Pits, uh, Music 7, also my yes. good friends, uh, yes. Pack and uh, you guys, and uh, uh, yeah. the uh, Mock Empire, you know, five disciplines yeah yes monkey pie yeah five disciplines yeah that is i mean you're talking about a very good era of hong kong i mean like you said earlier we didn't have many live houses we did not have many venues we only had a few places and shows were not as frequent as now now there's shows almost every day there's 10 shows on a saturday you, like everyone is split up but back then, everyone would go to that one show and they would have all these bands, different style of punk, different style of hardcore. It was such a cool time. Yeah, I think also um, maybe the differences between now, it would be um, you really miss out if you don't go to the show. Now with social media, if you don't go to the show, you, are, uh, you can still see what is happening there. But back at the time, if you, if you miss that event, you, you miss out the party, you know? <laughs> Yeah, people will share the photos. You're like, man, I missed going. I should have gone to that show. I went, to, I went out to dinner with my mom instead. Darn. Yeah, I remember that feeling. <laughs> so now if we're talking about um, venues, and I know you were saying that with Hard Candy, eventually you started to invite other bands to come to Hong Kong, but you were intentional about inviting girl bands, bands with girl members in it. Do you remember why you decided to do that? I think, um, I think, like I say, actually, like uh, I think when I was when I start to use my space, um, I think I found my tribe, you know, like uh, so I found all this. Uh, well, honestly speaking, you don't really find a lot of guys who like white girl. Like in Hong Kong, I think I found a few, really True. a few, like one or two. I can, I, I'm still mm. friends with those people, <laughs> but um, but really, I think people <laughs> who are interested in girl bands and white girl are all normally female so i actually on myspace i met up with um with uh, bb bomb and uh, and a uh, shaki uh from taiwan so um so when they were interested to uh come over to hong kong so i helped them to organize uh, a show in warehouse i helped them to find somewhere to live um, so i think it's it's because Back in the days, it's more difficult because uh, you cannot really link up with people that easily with, uh, with Facebook nowadays. So you really have to uh, rely on a local person to co-organize these kind of things. But it's very interesting because what you did was very punk rock. Right, you had completely um, um, invited and welcomed yes. the whole DIY 
aspect of punk rock because punk rock is very DIY. We don't wait for a, a label to sign your band. We don't wait for you to find a manager. You go do it. If you want to play a show, organize it. If you want to release music, go record it re and release it. But can I ask, how did you learn about that though? How did you learn about the punk rock culture, the mentality? It's more than the music. How did you learn about all of that stuff? I think maybe when I stopped, uh, when I stopped playing uh, Hard Candy, then I start to uh, pay attention what other bands are doing. So I think I learned from them. And uh, at that time, I also met someone in, uh, in the Philippines. Uh, she, she's not from a band, but she makes uh, scenes. So, which is very DIY. And uh -huh. I think I also got uh, inspired to uh, make my own, uh, like uh, I would draw my lyrics and then I photocopy in colorful paper. And then I also distribute in, in my show, you know, because I want people to understand what we were singing, you know. So, yeah, I think yeah. I just copy, well, I just copy from what the other people do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's because you have this whole DIY, you have a very passionate person. Like you said, you were very committed and determined that you're going to play your shows and you're de determined that I'm going to release my music. I'm just going to get it out there. Not a lot of people think that way anymore, I think. I think this whole punk rock, especially I'm just talking about Hong Kong, right? I don't know about the cultures all over the world, but I think in Hong Kong, that punk rock spirit is yes, kind of gone. Yes, I believe so too, yeah. And I also think um, people complain a little bit too much, you know? Like, uh, I think if you are passionate about something, you make it happen, you know? Like, I know it's very difficult with the restriction of venues and there's no major record label. But you know, when I first pick up my guitar and start a band, I, I, I wasn't thinking that I would uh, give up my full-time job and be a, it's, it's just my hobby, you know? It's, right. like a, it's like people who like to do tennis, right. who like to do yoga, you know? It's, it's my hobby. So it's, it's not because that uh, there's low opportunities or low investment, then you stop doing it. Yeah, I, I, yeah sometimes I don't really understand why people right. will, will give up doing music because for me, it's just a hobby, you know? Right. So with, with, when you started organizing shows for those bands coming to Hong Kong, um, I mean, you've been involved, I would say, for almost, almost as much as me. Like for about 20 years, we've been doing this whole punk rock, hardcore thing in Hong Kong. It's been 20 years. I mean, it's 2020 now, and I started 1999. And I, actually, I'll be very honest, I don't think much has changed in terms of punk rock and hardcore in Hong Kong. It really hasn't grown. I will admit there was a time where it was like, Oh yes, we got it. We got a Hong Kong hardcore scene. We have a punk rock scene and then it died and it's never come back. Like, have you thought about like, what is it about Hong Kong that they don't, it, the punk rock is not as attractive to people in Hong Kong. What do you think? I, I don't really think it's just punk rock. I think in general, uh, indie rock, mm. like a, a original rock music in Hong Kong doesn't really pick up. Uh, I think the first thing is the lack of uh, venues because it's, it's actually a building ground for all mm. these people, uh, for people to go there as audience, right. for people to think about starting a band, you need a place to start this. And like, let's be honest, like uh, right. for punk and uh, hardcore music, it's so much more powerful when you see it in life. Yeah, really, like, uh, I mean, I, I like, honestly speaking, normally at home, I don't really listening to very loud music because, uh, it's, 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 it's a live thing, you know? I, I love going to see the live because it's so yeah. much more powerful. But um, you can't really get that right. energy out when you're listening on Spotify, you know? <laughs> 
I'm just saying. So, so I think the lack of venue is uh, it's a very big thing in Hong Kong. If there's mm. low venues, then you cannot really right. build up the community. That's a very good point because I mean I remember uh, warehouse yes. felt like that place. It was more than just a venue, right? It was more than a venue. It really was for me. My experience and my recollection of warehouse, it felt Definitely. like a cultural oh. home for us. We all lived all over Hong Kong. You lived in Tun Moon at the time. I lived in Tim Dajou at the time. And my band members lived in like Kwai Chong or whatever. And we would all, just this, these crazy punk kids in Hong Kong would always show up every yes. weekend to Aberdeen well, on slope, top yeah. of a really <laughs> steep hill. Yeah. And then we would all come together and say, hey, what's up? Hey, Yan, how are you doing? Like, like in that cultural base is gone. Like there is no base for us. There is no cultural home for where like-minded punk rock people, yeah, hardcore think, people can yeah, come that's together. The number one factor why it doesn't really pick up. It's not just punk rock. Right. I think in, in general, or regional, inside the bands mm. uh, are struggling so much in Hong Kong. It's just a lack of uh, venues for people to share, for people to exchange, you know, for people to build, to build up a community. Right. You know? Can I ask then, is that why, because I've seen your trajectory. I've seen what you've done in your life in terms of playing punk rock and making sure you're connected. Is it maybe because in Hong Kong, it's so much harder to find really like a home base or, or, or a fan base or supporters. Is that why you started to reach outside of Hong Kong and start traveling to other places? Because that's what I did. At, at some point I'm like, I'm not feeling satisfied playing in Hong Kong or I'm not, it's not fulfilling to play in Hong Kong. Hey, what's going on in Malaysia? Hey, what's going on in Singapore? Let's go there. Like, I, but not many people do that. How did you find out about just, going to the Philippines uh, when you, and stuff like that? When you try once, you just get addicted to it. Just, um, there are more venues. Uh, yeah. There are more people, uh, more, uh, more scenes happening in the, in the Philippines, in Taiwan. Even I would say uh, when I played in China, I was also pretty impressed, you know, like Wuhan, they have good scenes also with uh, punk rock and hardcore. So, so why did I do it for the first time? I think uh, I just wanted to check it out. But then I think after the first time I went to Philippines, I just really got addicted to touring. Yeah, just I, I was thinking it's, it's the same thing about finding your people, you know. In, over there, I found the people I really yeah. like, just uh, friendly people, happy people. They don't really like, um, I met up with um, I met up with a band, very popular band in, in the Philippines, mainstream popular band called Sandwich. So such nice people, like they don't even act like they're rock star at all. They, they are just really friendly and they, um, and even until now, like uh, when I saw a band, they would ask me, oh, is that band good? You know, like they are still looking for new new band to support. Yeah, the people are just so, um, yep. I think it's not just Philippines. I'm, I think in all, everywhere in the world are like this, but they are not pretentious. They are, yeah. they are as I say, they just like to play music. Even they are, even they are so big or they are so small, they don't care. They, if, yeah. you, if they find you interesting, if they, if they know that you're doing music, they will try to help you. I think it's just the community is much stronger. Uh, yes. and much bigger than Hong Kong. So, right. so I think I felt more uh, satisfied when I, when I go out of Hong Kong and do tour. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's exactly what I felt when I went to Malaysia the first time, Singapore, Indonesia, Philippines. My, uh, literally, my mind was blown. I would go to a show and hundreds of people would show up. I'm like, where? 
how come there's so many people? They're like, oh, this is a small show. I'm like, this is a small show? Like, I, I, my mind was blown. And exactly like you said, especially in places like Philippines, the humility, they're so humble. So like you say, like Sandwich. Yeah, yeah like, I mean, oh, oh my gosh, all these great bands. And I'm like, I even I've heard of your band and you're so nice. And they're like, yeah, man, I've heard King Lai Great job, man. I'm going to come watch you guys play. You're right. I mean, it was just such a nice feeling when you go outside of Hong Kong and feel so welcomed. And then like you also said, when you go to a place like Philippines or Malaysia or these places that have had a punk rock scene for decades, man, like 30 years, some of these places, when you go there, you're like, Oh, this is what a healthy scene is supposed to feel like. You go to the show, there's a merch table, there's a yeah. distro. So much bigger, right? the merch table. Like so much where bigger. We were, where we were in warehouse, it's just a tiny little table, you know, five bands yeah. that fit all the merch on it. But yeah, as you say, like uh, like when I play in Malaysia, they say it's just a small show, but it was a, it was a where it was like a 10 times the warehouse we had in yeah. Hong Kong. It's a yeah. big deal, you know, but they were saying, oh, it's just a small show, you know. Yeah. So, but that makes me wonder though, like uh, there aren't many people like you and me that travel with their bands outside of Hong Kong. I mean, luckily I had band members in King Lai Chi and Dagger who love traveling. Oh, All I the guys is, that I always yeah, This is for me, it's the requirement to play music with me. <laughs> <laughs> like you have to be able to, you have to like traveling with the band. Yeah. So yeah, so we've talked about your history. We talked about Hard Candy, but that's not the band that you're currently playing in. You're currently playing in After After Party. So how did you find these members? So, um, well, actually, like, uh, it was, uh, I actually s- stole the members from another band. <laughs> oh, good. As long as you admit it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just a relationship falling out. Uh, so I have to quit my previous band. And I asked the, I asked the other bandmates if, you, if they want, if they're interested to play with me. Uh, actually, like, uh, so I, I wasn't sure if they were interested. And... Um, I think by the time I, I was, I almost thought that, oh, maybe I should just play guitar and bass sometime for other people, uh, rather than having my own band because it's a lot of work. Uh, but then when the drummer uh, sent me a message saying, oh, I thought we will start a band. And then I kind of say in my heart, oh my God, this is such a good drummer. I cannot miss, nice. I cannot miss this because we were just talking right. about like how important to have a good drummer in a punk rock band. Right. So right. like, here, here, here I am having such a good drummer saying to me that maybe we should start a band. I just think it's a, I, I have to take this uh, opportunity. So, um, right. so I started that. I think most of the time I play really uh, more like heavy and angry kind of music. But I guess at that time, I kind of think people going out on a Friday, Saturday, they don't especially want something that heavy. So, so I just want to do something more funny. So Lao is more like a, a punk band with sarcasticism and, uh, and just being funny, you know. 
Yeah, because it does it does come across really well that it's like a party fun band. Like your even your music videos are so funny and they're just so much fun to watch. And you could see that you're just enjoying it. All of you, all of you guys in the band are enjoying it. But can I ask in terms of because I, I, I always ask this question, I forgot to ask you. Even in hard candy days and then after party days. For me, lyrics are so important. Like, what is the band actually singing about? That's what differentiates hardcore bands, punk rock bands from metal bands, right? And, and so with Heart Candy and After After Party, what are some ideas or things that you feel like you always need to sing about? I still very female driven, yeah. So I think, good, yeah, I good. think uh, before the approach in Heart Candy is more like a female uh, perspective of a serious topic, you know, sometimes it's... Uh, more like a, uh, more like a, like, oh, you don't judge how I dress, you know, like, like this kind of things, more like serious, but now if after, after party, maybe we will do more like a, like, fem- like how female think about uh, online dating, for example, like mm. just more funny issues. But I think um, mm. one thing that's uh, very consistent for my uh, lyrics writing is a female's perspective. That's great. I mean, again, I think it's so powerful that you, uh, that representation is out there. I mean, I have, a, I have an eight-year-old daughter. And so with her, I'm also like very, very intentional with what videos I watch on my computer. You know, it's not always guy bands. I make sure that there's girl bands on my, on my computer. Uh, I skateboard, so it's not just guy skateboard, skateboarders. I also make sure there's female skateboarders. So she's always had this more balanced view where of course there's girl skateboarders. Of course I'm going to skate. I'm a girl and I saw a girl skateboarder. Or Yan plays guitar in a band. Yeah, I saw her on, on a computer. Of course I'll start playing. So it's really cool that you do that with a female perspective because I feel like, I mean, I've been play, listening to heavy music for a long time. And I'm, I personally, as a male, I'm very bored of reading lyrics written by males. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the same thing over. I'm like, okay, okay, how about you shut up for a little bit and let's, get, let's pass this microphone to somebody different. Let's get a different voice. No, but yeah, I also like I like sometimes when I play in a show, and then uh, if there are female audience came up to me and say it's connect with them, it's actually make me feel so much happier than uh, than a guy who say, "Oh, you guys are great," you know? Because I think after all, I just want to. Um, I it's like when I was young, I, I want to be connected with uh, with different. Uh, with different girls and women who are having the same kind of feeling, like uh, just, oh, like, uh, you, you know, in not just Asian culture, I think in everywhere, um, some of the things you don't really expect female to talk about it, you know, like even for sex, uh, for, for dating, for, for even going to the toilet and all this thing, you know, like they don't expect female to talk about this kind of lusty, lusty thing, they think. But um, yeah. but come on, we are we, we we can all do this, you know. So right. So yeah, yeah I mean, more that's... like my approach now, just talk about uh, different things with a female perspective. Yeah, I, it's so great, and I, I I do like that you said that that really for you, what's most touching is the connecting with other Definitely, females, yeah. and that's great. I mean, but. It, also from a guy's perspective, like when, when I read lyrics that are about motherhood or, you know, like you're talking about like uh, menstruation and things like that, when I read it in a zine or when I read it in lyrics, my mind is like, I'm like, I had no idea. I had no idea about all of these things. And I feel like my mind grows 
when I read a different perspective. That's why I'm like, I all, all, sometimes I'm like, I think there's too many guys playing in bands. <laughs> just like too many. Just stop for a little bit. You're not bringing anything new to the music. You're not bringing anything new to the lyrics. My mind is not being enlightened. But when I hear, read lyrics from women or, um, you know, uh, uh, people who are bi or gay or trans and their experiences, I'm like, Oh, so that's what life is like for them. So like, you know, more power to you. Thank you for doing that. And you're still going to do that with After After Party, I'm sure, yes, right? Yeah, we are, we, are, we are working on our, we are trying to record by ourselves, but uh, it's a little bit slower, you okay. know, uh, rather than uh, going to a studio, it's always a little bit uh, much more, take much more time when you do it yourself. But we wanted to do it. Right. So so is your plan right now to release an album or what is we your plan know. right now? Yeah, um, I, I don't think we will release an album unless we find a band to do a split album. Yeah, so we are actually looking for, uh, I'm talking to some other also girl bands uh, to see if we can do a split album. The reason why is that it's just, uh, I, I think over my, um, over the past years, I think a lot of friends or even with my other project, it's very difficult to sell album. So yeah. Oh, I agree 100%. This is not the time to release albums at all. What I've noticed is, is what does well in this world, in the social media world, is singles, yes. right? One single yeah. at a time. And, yeah, hang on. We, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's also easier for us, you know, so uh, we don't need to invest too much. So um, I think, yeah, mm. that's, that's, that's what we are planning, more like a releasing videos and stuff like that, yeah. All right, yeah, and thank you so much for this almost hour and 20 minute conversation about your life, about life in Hong Kong, about the experiences you've had and how you found your way to punk rock and hardcore and how it's changed your life and how you're giving back to the, to the community you live in now. As a way to wrap up this interview, is there any last words that you want to share with the audience? I think over, uh, over this interview, I have been saying like, uh, it's, it's so hard to be lonely and uh, it's, it's so hard to be uh, all by yourself without other people sharing the same passion. Um, I mean, like with everything happening in Hong Kong now, everyone have their own belief. I think uh, just stick to it and uh, you will definitely find uh, the people you belong with. Awesome. Thank you Thank so you. much, Yan. Yes, Good luck bye with everything. Bye. Thank you. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. That was our fourth episode. We are so happy you've been enjoying all of these. Please continue to subscribe to us. Please follow us on all our social media. Please make sure you're letting other people know about these podcasts. They're not easy to do. It takes a lot of time, both on my part and Nico's part as he edits all the videos. Both of us have full-time jobs. I'm a dad. I play in a band. There's a lot that's going on. And all we ask for you guys is if you're enjoying this, spread the word. Let people know about this so that our audience can continue to grow. And so that, that the people that we interview and the bands that we introduce and share, the news that we share, can reach out to more people and so no, more people can hear about what we've got going on in this great continent of ours. All right, see you next episode. Look at what